0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is March is Asset Management Awareness Month. Woohoo, it's our month. <laughs> Yay! So excited. <laughs> I feel like that's a giant mouthful to say. Asset Management Awareness Month. I also feel like
0: it's a little made up from the financial industry. <laughs> Maybe, but you know what? They have a, a day of the week and everything for every topic in the world. So we get to celebrate asset management awareness. Right.
1: Like there's like <laughs> peanut butter Lover's Day and there's all kind you know,
0: that's you know, not as common and popular as Mother's Day, but I tell you what, it has its day. Well, you know what? Speaking <laughs> of days, that's actually really funny because Back in my husband's hometown of Chillicothe, Missouri, they just got it approved that one day, I don't remember which day, but it's sliced bread day <laughs> because they <laughs> were the first city where sliced bread was sold. Oh, really? Yes. So they just got it approved. So, you know, there's literally a day for everything and why not celebrate stuff? I'm all about the there positive you go. vibes. So. <laughs> I feel like having a piece of toast now. <laughs> And today is St. Patrick's Day, which for all of my fellow Irishmen out there, happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm actually Irish on both sides. So my mom was a McCoy, very Irish. Uh, My dad was a Haggerty, very Irish. My first name is Kelsey. I, I once answered the phone back at my job before i was married kelsey haggerty and somebody who was very in tune to all the irish in that and they're like whoa you're definitely from ireland or your family is <laughs> i didn't even i wasn't even really aware that that was that i irish. didn't know kelsey was an irish name very much so yeah so um that's yeah i'm excited this is one of my favorite days of the year <laughs>
1: well i know you can't see us while we're talking on this show but you can be sure that were decked out head to toe in green.
0: <laughs> we're like little leprechauns <laughs> with nice little red wigs. Yep. I think it's Irish Heritage Month, too, isn't it? Yes, of course, in March, Irish Heritage Month. Makes so. total
1: sense. Well, we hope that everybody today stays safe. And I'm guessing that you won't be thinking about March being asset management awareness month all day. (laughs) Think about it tomorrow. Green beer. There (laughs) you go. (laughs) You can think about it while you're nursing or recovering from a hangover or something like that tomorrow. So what we want to talk about when it comes to asset management awareness month is just some things that we think are important for people to understand when it comes to managing assets. So you hear people in the financial industry talk about diversification quite a bit. Um, you hear the terms asset allocation quite a bit. And I want to take a minute and just kind of simplify what some of that means so that it's understandable because diversification or asset allocation, while theoretically you might know what those words mean, for some people they sound a little scary, but for other people, although you get the concept, the actual execution or implementation of that can be a little bit more confusing. So here's the deal. When it comes to investments specifically when we're looking at more mutual fund type of investments then mutual funds are broken down into sizes first they're broken down into small medium and large just like your clothes <laughs> but small companies are not your mom and pop corner grocery stores small companies generally tend to be any company that is generating under 2 billion dollars worth of revenue
0: that's a lot of revenue.
1: That's billion with a B. So <laughs> I really hope that Stirk Financial Services one day becomes a small company.
0: <laughs>
1: Billions of revenue. Billions. There we go, baby. Billions. <laughs> okay. Mid sized companies tend to be between two to twelve billion. And large companies are the household names that you tend to know. They tend to be over twelve billion dollars of revenue a year. Okay, so we're talking big numbers for publicly held stocks in terms of money passing through hands and things like that. Okay, now, once you've segregated things into size, the next thing that you do is segregate them into styles. And there's three primary styles that mutual funds are categorized in. You have growth funds, which a lot of people have heard about. You have something called value funds which also many people have heard about. And then you have a last category that's called blend or sometimes called core. Okay. And I want to talk a little bit about the differences between growth and value. Size is a little bit easier for people to put their finger on, but understanding the difference between growth and value takes a little bit more digging into. So Kelsey, will you play a game with me? Sure. (laughs) All right. We're going to talk a little bit about the difference between a growth fund and a value fund. So let's start with growth fund. We're going to pretend I'm a mutual fund manager and I have a growth fund. And you are an owner of a firm that manufactures something. Naturally, what, Of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is it you want
1: to manufacture, Kelsey?
0: Ooh, even though I'm totally a tomboy, I'm still very girly in the fact that I love shoes. <laughs> So shoes is my choice.
1: Shoes. Awesome. Women's shoes. Okay. So from a growth fund perspective, what you want the value of stock to do is just grow. You just want it to go up, right? So let's say Kelsey's shoe company has a stock price that's $10 a share. But I, as a mutual fund manager, have heard that her company has found this amazing new technology and it has figured out how to actually make high-heeled shoes for women comfortable.
0: (laughs) It's like this thing that they never thought we'd find.
1: (laughs) Right. I feel like your stock price might go up if you found that. I told
0: you I was a good manufacturer (laughs) um, business owner.
1: You are the best. All right. So as a mutual fund manager, I'm going to come into Kelsey's company. I'm going to look at their company. I'm going to study their books. I'm going to understand what they have going on with this new technology that makes high-heels comfortable Finally, thank goodness. And I think that based on all of what I'm seeing, I think Kelsey's shoe company is going to go from $10 a share to $20 a share. And that to me looks like a good deal for growth. It's going to double based on this new technology. So, as a mutual fund manager, I'm going to buy shares of her company at $10 a share. And all I want is for them to grow and get bigger and hopefully get to that $20 target. So, that's a growth fund just looking for growth. All right. Now, a value fund is companies in a very, very different financial scenario. And you might kind of think about these companies might have gotten into some kind of pickle. So, Kelsey, new company. Now we're a value company. What is it you want to manufacture in this new company? Let's see.
0: I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) diversify. Good girl. I'm going to manufacture cars.
1: Ooh, cars. Okay. Okay. So the story behind Kelsey's car company then is that she has a type of vehicle and unfortunately the tires on her cars started exploding and creating accidents. So Kelsey's car company used to have a share price of $20 a share And now because of her exploding tire craziness and bad management, Kelsey, your stock prices dropped from $20 down to $10. Darn
0: it. My good streak is over.
1: (laughs) Not so fast. okay? Because you're such a smart business owner, you have devised a strategic plan to get yourself back on top and to raise the value of your stock. So number one, you figured out how to get rid of the exploding tires on all the vehicles. Number two, you rebranded your company, (laughs) and now people don't associate you with these exploding tires. (laughs) And number three, you also managed to wind into your new car model, a car that would be able to go 50 miles to a gallon, and that's a pretty new technology that people are going to think is awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I'm the mutual fund manager. I'm going to come into your company, and I'm going to say, okay. Your company fell on hard times, there was a reason for it. You have a strategic growth plan in place to get back up to your correct value. The problem that you encountered took your value down, so now you're undervalued. Your solution should get you back to your correct value. And if I'm a value fund manager, I'm gonna come up and scoop up some of those shares at the undervalued price. And my intent is only to hold them until they get back to a correct value. Okay. So you can kind of see how the car company, which has run into some troubles, is in a completely different financial position than the shoe company, which is killing it with women's comfort. Right. So a growth fund is just anticipating growth. A value fund is just trying to get back to its correct value. Okay. Now, you might ask what a blended fund is then. (laughs) (laughs) The short answer is it's just a smorgasbord of the two things we just talked about all in one place. So it might be growth companies. It might have value companies in there. It might have value holdings that they got back to their correct value, but now we think maybe they're going to move towards more of a growth place. So you hold them longer and things like that. So those are the critical differences between growth, value, and blend. And if you think about the fact that there are different sizes, small, medium, large, and each one of them come in growth, blend, and value, then you really have kind of a a broad-based way to look at it. You've got large growth, large blend, large value. You've got mid-cap growth, mid-cap blend, mid-cap value, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you diversify is that you have some of your money in all of those different categories, now, Kelsey, why would you say the main reason is that you'd want to have some money in all of those different categories?
0: Cuz we can't accurately predict from year to year which one's going to be the best. There you go. <laughs> if we knew that, then we would be was a trillion dollar question probably a <laughs> yeah,
1: trillion dollar question. I like that. <laughs> Something big. I don't know. Right. <laughs> every one of those asset classes, every one of those styles or um, sizes once in a while is the best. So if you don't have any money in it, you're gonna miss out on growth when it is the best. But also every one of those types is sometimes the worst. So if you have all your money in one size or all your money in one style, and that happens to be the worst, then you are going to lose way more money than you should when that particular asset class goes down. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sturk and today we are celebrating the fact that March is Asset Management Awareness Month. (AMAM).
0: AM. <laughs> wow, <laughs> we should get shirts made with that.
1: Oh yeah, everybody would know what that means, wouldn't they? <laughs> You'd be the hot ticket item on the red carpet. <laughs> oh man. All right, well we talked about what... It means to diversify and what some of the different asset classes actually mean. Now we're going to talk about something that's called skew. So when it comes to managing your assets, one of the issues that we very frequently see in clients' portfolios is they
0: have something that's called skew. Yeah, so we just got done talking about the different you know, boxes, the different buckets of money of how people invest, whether they're small, medium, large, growth value, and blend. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people can, with the help of an advisor, sometimes on their own, can get to the right mix. But that doesn't mean you're going to stay there. There you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when that drift is happening, when one bucket is performing stronger than another, um, there's a thing called skew happening. And skew can be very detrimental to your portfolio. So when somebody tells me... I have an old 401k out there. I haven't looked at it in a handful of years. (laughs) Alarms start going off in Mm -hmm. my head (laughs) Mm -hmm. because as we've had a big market upswing like we've had, but everybody's also very aware we've had a big market upswing and sometime, somewhere there's going to be a correction of significant proportions. That skew could be heavily embedded into your portfolio and present a lot of additional risks to your portfolio that could be avoidable just by managing.
1: So let me outline what this really means. Let's say that you took time and figured out your risk tolerance level and you got all the right percentages in all the right places, and you end up with 60% in the stock side of the market and 40% in the bond side of the market, okay? In a year where the stock side of the market rises significantly, then your 60% is gonna be growing faster in the stock side than the 40% that's in the bond side. So what will happen then at the end of the year is what started out as a 60-40 mix might look more like 70-30, okay? Now, that's not generally speaking a big problem as long as the market's still going up, However, when a correction happens, or when a bear market starts, instead of only having 60% of your portfolio at risk, that could lose, let's say, half, so you have, exposure maybe of losing 30%. If you have now skewed to where you're a 70-30 mix, and if you lose half of the 70%, you've got a 35% loss instead of the 30% loss that you were originally willing to risk. So that's what skew can do to a portfolio. And over the years, especially right now, especially right now, when we have had a bull market run for about 10 years, If you have not rebalanced your accounts and if you haven't been paying attention to this, the chances are you have significant skew, which means significantly more risk than you think you might have in your portfolios.
0: It's it's very, very important. I know it doesn't sound like a very exciting topic, skew, but <laughs> it's very... What? In- you don't want to talk about skew on St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> I am a total nerd and we'll talk about it all day long, but for those people who don't want to talk about it, it, it is very crucial that you're evaluating your portfolio for skew. It's one of those prudent measures that you need to do. You need to be making sure you're addressing on a on a regular timely basis because it's one of those things that you can easily do to prevent excess exposure to market loss. right and Just make sure that you're aligned with your core risk tolerance value.
1: So this is a really good time to reach out and set up a consultation with Kelsey or with Julie and visit about your portfolio and figure out do you have SKU, Or are you aligned? If you have SKU, what might need to happen to get rebalanced into
0: the risk level that you
1: feel most confident with?
0: And if you haven't looked at an asset for over... A year, two years, I've had somebody say, I haven't looked at that in 10 years. (laughs) Oh, man. I know there's (laughs) listeners out there who resonate with that one. (laughs) And you don't, if that's you, you don't have to be embarrassed, but you do need to take action to correct it. So because there's, I can almost guarantee there's going to be an issue that if you can tweak and avoid a problem, you're going to be thankful you did.
1: All right. So we've talked about diversity and we've talked about SKU. Now let's talk a little bit about quality. So quality control in investments, in my opinion, comes from monitoring with some type of systematic process. And if you don't have a systematic process in place, then chances are you might end up with some quality issues in what you're actually holding.
0: Before, Actually, before, Mary, we dive into this, I know it was mentioned on last week's show, but I just want to take a minute to congratulate... (laughs) <laughs> you and the rest of Cirque Financial Services um, for being named to Forbes Best In-State Wealth Advisors Thank List. Thank you. And everything we're talking about today is the wealth advisor piece of this. Right. If you're, yes, If you're exactly. doing asset management correctly, you're advising on wealth well. Um, now, to be selected to this list, it had a, a list of criteria. There were algorithms, which we love. And <laughs> and so... My favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> Algorithm. Again, I'm totally a nerd and I love all of this. So, um, But I just want to congratulate you because I think that what you're talking about here and then the way that we manage money truly is a testament to why awards like this keep coming your way. Well, thank
1: you, Kelsey. I appreciate you saying that. And the truth is that nobody gets there alone. And the strength of the team And the firm that we've built really has propelled us to be in a position where something like the Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list has my name on it. So I'm very excited about it. I'm very humbled by it. And uh, I I am really pretty tickled with the whole experience. I have to say that. But speaking of an algorithm. (laughs) So. I would guess that most people listening out there are not using any type of algorithm to make investment decisions.
0: (laughs) That's my (laughs) Probably not. Probably not the average person, yeah.
1: Right. And so our firm actually hired a chartered financial analyst um, a number of years ago to help us create the algorithms that track quality within a portfolio. And so we have ones for Stock management. We have them for mutual funds. We have it for ETFs. We have it for separately account managed um, portfolios, which means a third party is actually doing the buying and selling of stocks. We've maybe outsourced it to somebody with a specialty. And so when you can look at different types of investments and look at them with a non emotional view and have criteria that actually drives your decisions, then you tend to make non-emotional choices and non-emotional choices in portfolio management frequently
0: beats emotionally driven ones. Absolutely. You should have a reason that for why you own everything you own in your portfolio. Um, It should be filling one of the the slots that you need to fill for your asset allocation. You should not have SKU. um, But you should be able to look at every asset in your portfolio and say, I'm holding this for this reason and it's good for me to hold that because of this data. Whereas, you know, some, some reasons for why people are holding things, I've held it for a long time. Uh (laughs) Well, that might still be a fund that's good to hold, but holding it just because you've held it for a long time or because um, something else that has nothing to do with data is, is not necessarily the way you should manage your assets. Having some kind of formula algorithm process behind your buying and selling decisions is very
1: important. Right. To give you an example, one of the ways that we built our stock algorithm is that we chose six different points that are considered financial fundamentals of a stock that are based on the financial health of the company itself. And then we picked Um, for technical indicators, which is a completely different style of stock management. And then we added some opportunity for, you know, positive criteria if the stock decides to pay dividends. So, you know, we're looking at things like price to earnings growth, debt to equity value, operating margins, beta, RSI. And if you don't really know what that means or if that's not something that you're looking at as part of your selection process – then that's a great time to reach out to us to say, okay, now, wait a minute, tell me about this algorithm and maybe we should run your holdings through our algorithm to say we would give this a buy criteria, a hold criteria, or a sell criteria. And that's really the technical side of managing assets Um, and then looking at them on a regular basis to make sure that your quality control is really there. So... All right, for those of you who happen to be within 5 to 10 years of retirement, we do have a seminar coming up. It's called the Retirement Readiness Seminar, and we're going to talk about a lot of the things you really need to know to prepare for retirement, to be ready for it. Um, and it's going to be held on April 5th in conjunction with uh, Western Iowa Tech's Lifelong Learning Program. So you can go right out to our website at sterkfinancialservices.com and register. There is no fee to attend and uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.